I'm Reverend J. Stewart Glover, and you are listening to Faith Talk. I was in a Sunday school session today in which we discussed Jesus promising the coming of the Holy Spirit so that the church would be empowered as his witnesses. And yes, we as the church are empowered by the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to be an accurate witness or a reflection of the God we serve in this world. But I also find myself reminded of the scriptural passage from Matthew 26 and verse 59, which says this, the chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Jesus so they could put him to death. This is the word of the Lord. As a subject today, I would like to speak about the fact that the world is looking for the false witness. So we must be reminded today that even as our light shines, there are still people today that are always looking to deny the reality of God. They will always be looking for that false witness to come forward and misrepresent God. Why? So that based on the testimony of the false witness, they can then accuse God of wrongdoing. They can then feel comfortable denying God and continue to justify their reprobate lifestyles. So uh, a question for us today is this, where do they look to find that false witness? In our modern day world, people look for the false witnesses in the church, right in the church. And it's sad to report that sometimes they find exactly what they're looking for right in the church. When the church offers an inaccurate witness to the God we serve, people's lives are hurt. So let me just establish a little bit of context around the scripture that I read. Jesus and his disciples were sharing a meal in in celebration of the Passover. And after the meal, they went to a garden and Jesus prayed. His soul was troubled anguish to the point of death. It is at this point in the narrative that Jesus is arrested. If we imagine ourselves being there on the scene as this historical event unfolds, we can feel the tension in the night. We find ourselves close to an aggressive crowd of temple guards sent by the high priest in the Sanhedrin on this mission to arrest Jesus. They move swiftly through the darkness of the night with torches of fire lighting their path. We can see them armed with weapons, clubs, and swords that represent the violence and malice in the hearts of those who sent them to bring Jesus to trial. And yes, on that night, 
They arrest Jesus after he is identified by the one who betrayed him. So it is in Matthew 26 and verse 57 that tells us those who had arrested Jesus took him to Caiaphas, the, the high priest, where the teachers of the law and the elders had assembled. So when Jesus was arrested, they brought him to the high priest and the Sanhedrin to be tried. The high priest was the final religious authority in the Jewish tradition. The Sanhedrin were a council of Jewish elders. Together they would oversee religious and judicial matters. They, they were a ruling council that was patterned after the 70 elders that God established through Moses in the Old Testament. You could find that in Exodus, the 24th chapter. In the Gospels, they are referred to as the Council of the Elders. What they did not realize is that they were actually bringing God in the person of Jesus to be tried by the high priest and this council of elders. Think of that. Humanity that God had created in his image has now collectively decided to place God on trial. The leaders of this ruling council who sat on the seat of judgment would hear accusations against Jesus and decide his fate. Now, while they were bringing Jesus to the trial, the Bible tells us that Peter, in verse 58, it says, but Peter followed him at a distance, right up to the courtyard of the high priest. He entered and sat down with the guards to see the outcome. So Peter was afraid for his life and he followed at a distance. I can't help it, but the phrase followed him at a distance sounds like some of the church today. Some folk follow Jesus at a distance, a safe distance. They're not sure of their commitment to Christ and they're only willing to go but so far with Jesus. Peter thought that if he followed Jesus at a distance, he'd be safe. Today, we are not interested in following Jesus at a safe distance. We desire a close relationship with God. Our heart's desire is to allow God to lead and guide us along our faith journey and even disturb us from our spiritual comfort zones. The biblical narrative continues in verse 59. It says that the chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death. We know that the, the leaders in the religious and political world felt threatened by the presence and teachings of Jesus. In this story, they were looking for false evidence or lies to justify their turning Jesus 
over to the Roman authorities to be crucified. By killing Jesus, they would not have to worry about their positions of power, their livelihood, and their social status being threatened anymore. But they had a hard time building a case against Jesus. But guess what? The Bible says that many false witnesses willingly came forward. But when it came to finding credible evidence against Jesus, the Bible says in verse 60, but they did not find any, even though many false witnesses came forward. So when the scripture says that they did not find any, it means they could find no credible evidence, no truth to convict Jesus of any wrongdoing. So a parade of witnesses failed to present sound evidence against Jesus. That's right, many witnesses against Jesus came with conflicting stories and nonsensical testimony. But after a long, frustrating time of hearing these people come forward with ridiculous accusations, finally, two more came forward. Verse 61 says the two came forward and this fellow said, I'm able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. So what was the strategy of these two so-called witnesses? What they did, what they actually did was to twist the words of Jesus. If we remember in John, the second chapter in the 19th verse, Jesus said, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. So they misquoted the words of Jesus. They took the words of Jesus out of context. And that is the same approach that the serpent took with Eve in the garden, twisting the word of God. You remember the serpent in the third chapter of Genesis suggesting to Eve, did he really say that? You won't really die and so on. The serpent twisted the word of God. So what can we learn from this? Very simply, how about not continuing to take the word of God out of context? How about not constructing a theology that doesn't match up with the word and the character of God? How about stop sharing a gospel that is not the gospel? And how about we stop trying to model the church after worldly values and practices? When the church corrupts the word of God in theory and in practice, it is just as bad as what Satan did. It hurts people, harms their lives, and gives people a reason to reject Christ in their lives because of their false testimony. Everything that we say and do that is inconsistent with the teachings of Jesus will be used against us and ultimately against God in the court of public opinion. So eventually the, the high priest questions Jesus directly 
And when Jesus responded and spoke truth, the high priest lost his mind. He fell apart at the seams. He lost it. The Bible says the high priest tore his clothes and said, he has spoken blasphemy. The priest lost his mind and accuses the son of God of blasphemy. The frustrated priest declares, why do we even need any more witnesses? And ultimately, the verdict reached by the final religious authority was this. He is worthy of death. Jesus died on a cross for the sins of all of humanity. The tragedy of the false witness is this. When we misrepresent the word of God, when we identify ourselves as followers of Jesus, but we act like we embrace the values of the world. People are watching and it hurts them spiritually. Because of the hypocrisy that they observe, they feel justified in rejecting the church, organized religion, and God. Our poor witness nurtures their tendency or proclivity towards abandoning Christ. The false witness, the misrepresentation of God, has tragic results. So we pray today that the church allows itself to be led by the Holy Spirit that teaches us, leads us, guides us, and empowers us to be witnesses for God in this troubled world. And we pray that our witness is a true reflection of the God we serve. So therefore, preachers and ministers, uh, be careful of your choice of words and your sometimes uh, far-fetched illustrations that misrepresent the character of God. Be careful of what you desire to model the local church after. Church leaders and members alike, be careful of what you do how you govern yourself. Let all of us who identify as followers of Jesus remember to walk circumspectly in this world. Why? Because the world is looking at us, looking for that false witness so that they can bring charges against God, the church, and reject God and feel justified in doing so. I'm Reverend J. Stewart Glover, and you have been listening to Faith Talk. I would ask you to please visit the website, www.reverendjstewartglover.com, where you can uh, reach out to me by email. You can register as a guest on the show. You can leave me a voicemail, and I will get back to you. Thank you for being a part of our listening community that is global at this point, I'm happy to say. And I look forward to this uh, conversation next week at our same time. God bless you. Be a witness for God.